Hello, LifeBridge family and friends. We are glad that once again, you are tuning in to this podcast and to this video and allowing us to be part of your life. It's hard to believe that uh, we are on week 34 of a journey called Core 52, where we are going through, we're walking through the Bible, where we look at 52 of the most important passages found in Scripture. And if my math serves me right, I think we got about, what, 18 weeks left. And I want to encourage you, if you have been uh, playing along with us, if, you, if, you're, if you've bought the book and you're going through it, finish strong. You know, each week there's an essay, each week there's scripture memorization, uh, there's a story from the Bible, there's, there's some type of meditation exercises. Every single week has uh, those elements of this Core 52 journey. And I just want to encourage you to finish out the year strong. I know that uh, in, in our Christian circles, it's easy to start. We, we, we feel compelled to, to start spending more time with the Lord. And so we jump into something and, and it, soon it fades. And, and I know that after 34 weeks, uh, maybe we've missed a few weeks of the scripture memorization. Or maybe we've missed a few weeks of the meditation. Let me encourage you, pick it back up this week. Uh, anything that we start adding to our lives today is going to be beneficial. And it's going to help us to become more like Jesus. Because after all, that's, that's our goal. Uh, our memory verse, speaking of memory verses this week, is uh, found in the book of John. It's 424. It says, for God is spirit. So those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. And of course, that means that this week our topic is on worship. And that's the direction that we're going to go in today. And so hopefully what we're going to do today is we're going to wrap our minds around this biblical teaching of worship. And, and I believe it's important for us to truly understand what worship is. You know, in the church circles for, for decades now, Worship is something that is done in a corporate setting. You know, it's done Sunday mornings when we show up to our worship service. Or it's done at conferences and, and we experience these amazing moments of worship. And in the church circles, if you just talk to the, the run-of-the-mill, I go to church every day, Christian, um, Worship is something that we do at a place. It's something that's done at a building, and it's done with other people. <clears throat> worship is so much more than just the hour we give on Sunday mornings. We must understand that this, if, if we want our <clears throat> relationship with Jesus to fully mature, if we want our relationship with him to develop, we must understand what worship is. And I love the quote from Mark Moore. He wrote about the importance of worship in this essay. And he says this, What ups the ante is that this spiritual worship is the only thing we will take to heaven. Worship is our eternal occupation. I mean, think about that. We are practicing right now in our lives what we are going to be doing for eternity into heaven. And maybe that sounds overwhelming. Maybe that sounds boring. I promise you, 
It's not. And, and as we get our worship dialed in on this side of heaven, it's only going to make the experience uh, when we get to heaven that much better. So today I'm going to talk about what worship is. And then our worship pastor, he's going to come up in just a few moments, um, Caleb, and he's going to talk about how to worship. So to begin with the what, I want to give you a definition and uh, there's a well-known speaker, uh, his name is Louis Giglio. He influenced me many years ago with a definition of worship, and I've used it ever since I heard him. He was teaching at a conference, and uh, he was talking about worship, and it was one of those conferences where, hey, we showed up and we had our, our worship time. We, the praise band, the, the lights, the fog machines, all of those were rolling and it, it looked just like church. It was on a you know a weeknight, and we were there, and there was hundreds of people in the room, and we were all lifting our voices to God, and many of us thinking, that is what worship is. Hey, we just worshiped the Lord, and now it's time to move on to the next thing. Well, this definition that Louis Giglio taught on, it expands on that a little bit. So I want to encourage you, write this down so that you can ponder the definition. I want you to think through it this week. And I'm gonna go ahead and give you a warning. It's a little bit wordy, but it is spot on, and I will repeat it a couple of times. <clears throat> so, worship. Worship is our response to God, both personal and corporate, for who he is and what he has done, expressed in the things we say and how we live. All right, let me say that again. And you've probably, if you've heard me teach on worship, you've heard this before. Here it is again. Worship is our response to God, both personal and corporate, for who he is and what he has done, expressed in the things we say and how we live. Worship in its simplest understanding is a response from the individual. Now, this response, it's directed toward God. Because here's the thing, here's the truth. God is the only thing that is deserving of our worship. He's the only thing that we should ever put on a throne. It's prioritized over everything else. Worship is done personally, and then it's done corporately. This response that worship is, is motivated by the understanding of who he is and what he has done for me. And here's the thing, neither of which we can fully grasp. We, we cannot fully grasp what it is, everything that God has done for us. We cannot fully grasp who he really is. But here's the thing. The more we put him on the throne and the more we worship him in our lives day to day, we have a better understanding. Our understanding grows. Worship, this is the last part of the definition, is expressed in the things we say and how we live. And church, that is super important for us to understand. Let me say it again, worship is expressed. So it's a response on us. It's done personally and it's done corporately for who God is and what he has done. It is expressed 
in the things we say and how we live. So much more than just it's expressed in the songs we sing and the regularity of our church attendance. And so today, what I want to do, I want to, I want to help paint a picture of this. I want, to, I want to take a story from the Bible that I think paints the picture of this definition. Okay, Caleb is actually going to read the story in a few moments. I'm going to just kind of set the stage for you, okay? So in Second Chronicles, there's a king. David has passed away, and uh, now we've had the order of kings. The, uh, the kingdom <clears throat> has split into the two. And there's a king over the kingdom of Judah. His name is Jehoshaphat. And you can find this story in 2 Chronicles starting in uh, 16, 17, right in there. But we're going to camp out in uh, chapter 20. So King Jehoshaphat, just so you know, his dad was corrupt. He, he set up false idols uh, to worship around the kingdom. Jehoshaphat comes on the scene and he was a godly king. He did most things the right way that honored God. And as a result, God blessed him and gave him great success. But starting in verse 11 of chapter 20, we see a story coming. It's developing. It's, it's the next saga in Jehoshaphat's life. He's already tasted success. He's already conquered many nations. He, he, he's expanded the kingdom. He's given to God. And then this happens, starting in verse 11 of chapter 20. <clears throat> There's a vast army approaching Jerusalem. Uh, as a matter of fact, it, it is described as mighty. And Jehoshaphat says, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. So, Lord, we are looking to you for help. So all the people have gathered. The kingdom is worried. This army is coming. Jehoshaphat is like, man, he's acknowledging straight up, Lord, we don't know what to do. And so what do we do? We call out to the Lord. And so that's what they do. And so the whole assembly, all the men are there. Their families are there. And God speaks to this one guy. This, this one guy in the audience, God speaks to him, and, and this guy speaks up. And he says, hey, listen here. This is what the Lord is saying for us. He's telling us, the Lord says, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. And don't miss this. This is a cool story. For the battle is not yours, but God's. So here's what you do. This is what the Lord instructs this guy to tell the whole assembly. Tomorrow, march out against them. And you're going to find them coming up this, this, through this valley. You're going to find them coming up through this valley that opens up into the wilderness. But here's the thing. As you march out against them, you're not even going to need to fight. The Lord instructs them, take your positions then stand still and watch the Lord's victory because he's with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You go out there tomorrow and God's going to be with you. So that's the message that God gives to this man in the audience who then relays it to the entire assembly. Vast army coming tomorrow. Hey, don't worry about it. We don't even have to fight. We just go out and do our thing. And here's how King Jehoshaphat responded to that news. He fell down to the ground, face to the ground, 
and he worshiped the Lord. The next day, the people stood up. The next day, the people gathered. They did what the Lord wanted them to, and they went out into the wilderness where God told them to go. And Jehoshaphat addressed the army. He addressed everybody. He says, listen to me, all of you. Today, we're going to believe in the Lord. We're going to believe that his word is truth, and we're going to be able to stand firm. We're going to believe in his messengers, and we're going to succeed because we believe in the Lord. And so next thing he did, King Jehoshaphat said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to assemble a praise band. And so he got some singers together. He got a praise band together. And you guys, the singers, the praise band, you're going to lead us. You're going to, you're going to be the first part of our army, and you're going to lead us in singing praises to God. And so as they're marching to the audience, they're marching to the, to the fight that God is going to take, they're singing this chorus, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. And they just kept singing that and singing that and singing that. And here's the, what the cool part about this story. At the moment they started singing and giving praise, the Lord caused the armies of these nations who have come together to come and attack Judah to start fighting amongst themselves. And so by the time that Jehoshaphat and his army gets to where God told them to go to, everybody's dead. By the time they got there, God said, I want you to go to this point and just stand still and watch me fight. By the time they got there, every member of the attacking armies was dead. So let me just say a few things. I'm almost done. Our response, that's what worship is, our response to God, both personal and corporate, for who he is and what he has done, expressed in the things we say and how we live. So how is this a picture of worship? Well, they're just going through their day-to-day -day life, right? Josephat gets the news. A vast army of many nations is coming. How did they respond that day, that moment, to what was going on in life? Well, there's humility. Lord, we, we need you. There was prayer. We, we, can't, we can't do this on our own. There wasn't pride from all the, the previous conquering battles that Jehoshaphat led. There was humility. There was prayer in the moment. Falling to the ground and worshiping together because of what God is doing what is worship? It's a response to God for who he is and what he has done, what he is going to do. So they fell to the ground as an assembly, and they did it with their leader first. Then there was obedience, right? Like, I mean, if I got the message that, hey, God's going to go out there, I'm not showing up the next day. Hey, you don't have to fight. God's going to take care of it. Well, I'll just stay home and cut my grass or do something more productive then. But no, there was obedience. We gathered together, we assembled, and we marched to the place that God told us to do. 
And then, of course, there was singing and praise. And here's the thing about that. They were songs of gratitude. So you see some of the traditional elements of prayer and singing, of worship, of falling down. And Caleb's going to expand on those a little bit more in just a moment. But here's the deal with worship that we need to understand today. Worship happens in the day-to-day -day living. It happens at work when we receive that bonus or that promotion. When things are going well, we ought to be expressing to the Lord with our words and our, our work ethic what he's doing. It happens when things are falling apart. Worship is a response when we find out that we've been diagnosed with cancer. It's also a response of when we find out that we are cancer free. Our words and our lives each and every day are to be expressions of our response to God. And so now Caleb is going to come forward and he's going to share with you how we do this day to day. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Michael, for your part of the message on what is worship. Uh, my name is Caleb Lewis, and I've been with LifeBridge since 2012. And uh, I've been told that I am a teacher, so teachers give pop quizzes, so it's pop quiz time. Uh, Michael gave us a definition of worship, and I want you guys to help me out with this. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate. To who? To God, for who He is, and for what? For what He has done. Expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. I know you guys are watching this at home and you're thinking, I didn't really have to answer, and that's okay. Um, you could have played along if you wanted to. But uh, today, uh, Michael storied to us uh, something found in Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we are going to read that and explore that a little deeper and look into uh, how to worship. And we're going to do that by looking at King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judea and the things that they did throughout the story and how we can use that in our day-to-day -day lives. So let's get started. Uh, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Minyanites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazanon, Tamar, and that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judea. Now, just like Jehoshaphat, when we find ourselves alarmed by something or struggling with something or facing a sin, 
we need to inquire of the Lord. We need to stop what we're doing, where we are, whether that's sitting at a desk or we're at work uh, and a boss is telling us some terrible news or you know, we just get that text message come across our phones. We need to inquire of the Lord and we need to stop and we need to just speak to Him what we're feeling. And also it says, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Now, you don't have to run through the grocery store, run down the hallways at work and just proclaim a fast. But, you know, if, if you get that text in the morning, just go ahead and don't eat breakfast and set that side, set that time aside and just be with the Lord and just pouring out your heart and your feelings on what's taking place. Let's continue to read verse 4. The people of Judea came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judea to seek Him. Now, here at LifeBridge, we have life groups where people come together. And when we come together, we need to be sharing with one another the sins and struggles in our life. As soon as we get that text or that bad news and we inquire of the Lord and we just have that time of fasting, we can send out a group text to our life group and they can begin to pray with us and we can come together and we can seek God as one. Verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and he prayed. This is what the Lord prayed. <laughs> Not the Lord. This is what Jehoshaphat prayed. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary of your name, saying, If I, and saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now... Here are the men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. Verse 11. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do 
but our eyes are on you. I really like Jehoshaphat's prayer because he's not asking the Lord for anything. He's acknowledging the Lord who is in heaven on the throne who he says rules over all the nations. Power and might is in his hand. And no matter what takes place, his eyes will always be on God. Verse 13. All the men of Judea, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. So they were all together. And they listened to Jehoshaphat pray this prayer. You know, we can come together with friends at work or we can come together as a life group and we can come together just here at church and we can pray the same prayer. Just like Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Deliver us from the evil one. And all this is just said in his great power. Verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehezreel, son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jerel, the son of of Mathaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asp, as he stood in the assembly. Sometimes God puts people in our lives and the Spirit comes upon them and they share, they share with us some really helpful advice if we would just listen. Let's listen to what Jehezreel uh, speaks to the people because the, the spirit of the Lord came on him. Verse 15. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judea and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judea and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathians and the Korathians stood up and praised the Lord and God of Israel with a very loud voice. We meet every Sunday and we meet at our life groups 
And if you're not involved in a life group, I just want to encourage you to do so. But in both of those places, we're given instructions on how to live our lives, on how to worship the Lord and how to address issues in our lives and the things that we're battling and the things that we need to say. Well, just like the Lord spoke to the people of Judea and Jerusalem and gave them instructions, we need to listen to the instructions that the Lord is giving us through His Word, through the ministers in our lives, through our friends and family that love us and care about us. Verse 20. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judea and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is for his love endures forever. So, just like the people of Judea and Jerusalem were given instructions from God, they went out and they faced the army like they were supposed to. And they had faith in the Lord. And they had faith in his prophets. And they gave thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Now, this faith that they're talking about, they had no idea what was going to happen. But they trusted in God with everything that they had. And they knew that no matter what, they were going into, arm, going into battle singing, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. So, let's pause here for a moment. When we are faced with trials and tribulations in our lives, and we inquire of the Lord, and we fast, and we bring our struggles before our life group, and we pray about it, we need to go into the next day having faith, singing to the Lord, praising the Lord, because we know that what happens will be His will. But we have to do that with all of our heart. We can't just give it to Him and take it back and give it to Him and take it back. We have to go into it just like the people of Judea and Jerusalem were going into battle. They had faith. 
And they sang, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Verse 22. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Siri, who were invading Judea, and they were defeated. I read this book called How to Worship the King, and it's by Zach Neese, if you want to check it out and read it. But in it, he takes the Old Testament temple and the place of worship, and he gives us parallels to today and how we worship. And he takes uh, from David's Psalms, which says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. And if we want to be in the presence of the Lord, we need to give him praise. But we can't be in the presence of the Lord unless we pass through the gate. Now, the temple had a gate, but in our lives today, that gate is Jesus. And to unlock that gate to get into the courts of praise, we must be thankful to Jesus for what he's done for the way he lived out his life, the perfect example of discipleship, and most importantly, dying on the cross for you and for me. So we enter the gates with thanksgiving. We believe in Jesus and we trust in him and we enter his courts with praise and there we will find ourselves with God and we will be rescued just like the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Verse, let's go back to verse 22. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Siri, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Siri to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Siri, they helped to destroy one another. So, God did it all. The Lord set ambushes against the men. When we praise God and give him all the glory, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever, he will rescue us. He will save us. Verse 24, When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder 
that it took three days to collect it. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it's called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Guys, it may take a couple of days for the Lord to rescue you. But it's on His time and not our time. And when we trust Him and we rely on Him, He will see us through because He loves us. And when victory takes place, we need to call up our friends in our lives and come together and meet and praise the Lord. When God rescues you, are you praising the Lord? When you see God working and miracles take place, are you praising the Lord? Are you getting together with your life group even though you've already met that week and you are praising the Lord for an answered prayer. Verse 27. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judea and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all of a sudden. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they had heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Are you guys getting together with your life groups and praising the Lord? Are you returning to Jerusalem? Are you coming to church on Sunday morning uh, joyfully because the Lord has answered your prayers? Are you coming to church and are you praising the Lord or are you just going through the motions? Well, it's Sunday, let's go to church, let's sing these songs. You know, are you living out your life? Your day-to-day -day life, moment by moment, when faced by disaster, stopping and inquiring of the Lord, deciding to fast, praying this prayer, meeting with your group, are people seeing that? And is a fear of God taking place in their lives so they begin to seek him out. You know, that fear may come over them and they may just ask you, what are you doing? And that's a perfect example to begin a relationship with them and, and disciple them. Share with them what's going on. Hey, let them pray with you. Verse 29, the fear of God came on all of the surrounding kingdoms when they heard 
how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. I don't know about you, but I could really use some peace and rest, especially just from the Lord. And I know that I didn't mention the word worship a lot. But when reading these words, we saw how King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah and Jerusalem responded to God for who he is and what he has done expressed in and by the things that they said and the way that they lived. Church, I ask you, if you want the peace of the Lord in your life and you want some rest from this chaotic world, I invite you to worship him just like Judea and Jerusalem did. Pray a prayer honoring God, telling him that you know he is on his throne and that you trust in him and that everything will be okay and meet with a group of people and share your struggles and pray together and fast together. Praise God together. Sing. If someone's having a major surgery before that surgery, sing songs to the Lord. Praise Him. When we do that, his will takes place in our lives. If you'd like to have a relationship just like the people of Judah and Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, and you want to know God and you want to be able to to pray to him and him speak to you and you listen and follow his instructions, praising him moment by moment, day by day, and receiving his peace and rest. You have to know Jesus Christ. You have to believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you have to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. If that's something that you want, I encourage you to reach out to someone in your life and ask them to begin a discipling relationship with you. Explore the Bible together. Ask them to be with you on this spiritual journey from being dead in the faith 
to becoming a parent yourself and discipling someone else. Church, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for just this story of King Jehoshaphat. And just throughout the story, just the word praise just continually came up. Father God, praise and worship, they go hand in hand. And just, God, I pray that we can rely on you and we can inquire of you, dear Lord, and fast. And just to begin to pray without ceasing just throughout the week, whether that be at our eight to five work job, dear Lord, or our job in the middle of the night, or just on the weekends when we get the text that someone's passed away and someone else is really sick and they're, they're, we're, everything is in limbo, dear Lord. God, I pray that we would seek you. God, you are on your throne. God, we worship you. We honor you. Hallowed be your name, dear Lord. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for a belief in him and the gift that we receive of your spirit, dear Lord. God, I pray that as we go deeper in your word, that your spirit's on us and words jump off the page about how we can better live our lives, dear Lord just draw closer to you and just sing and praise your name. Father God, we pray all of these things in your great name.